0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said the brutal battle for Severodonetsk will determine the fate of the Donbass region, which has become the front line of Russia's invasion. About 15,000 civilians are said to be trapped in Severodonetsk and the nearby city of Lysychansk. Meanwhile, the mayor of the occupied city of Mariupol spoke of an unending caravan of death, with up to 100 dead bodies being found in every flattened block of flats. Parts of Shanghai were locked down yet again, as China's biggest city continues its pyrrhic battle with Covid-19. Minhang District, home to 2 million people, was the latest to be quarantined. Meanwhile, many temporary testing stations, which must be within a 15-minute walk for Shanghainese, are being made permanent. Last week, China's government declared victory against the virus in Shanghai, following a costly two-month lockdown. An 11-year-old survivor of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, described to lawmakers how she smeared herself in blood and played dead after a gunman killed her teacher and friends. The hearing, which included testimony from relatives of victims of the shooting in which 21 were murdered, took place before Congress voted on a package of gun control measures, which is unlikely to pass in the Senate. New Zealand announced a plan to tax sheep and cow burps to address one of its biggest sources of greenhouse gases. The country had been criticised for not including agriculture in its emissions trading scheme when almost half of its emissions, mainly methane, come from the sector. New Zealand is home to 5 million people, but 26 million or so sheep, and 10 million cattle. President Joe Biden announced plans for a new economic partnership with Latin America, which would see the United States engage more with the region. Mr Biden was speaking at a regional summit in Los Angeles, but to a smaller audience than he would have hoped. Several Latin American leaders stayed away in protest over his decision to exclude Cuba, Venezuela and Nicaragua from the shindig. Thailand removed marijuana from its banned narcotics list, becoming the first country in Southeast Asia to allow the production and sales of the drug. People will now be able to consume cannabis-infused dishes, but smoking the stuff is still banned. The government hopes the move will boost agriculture and tourism. A law to further relax drug legislation is being considered in Parliament. Paris's police chief, Didier Lelemont admitted that the policing of the Champions League final on May 28th between Real Madrid and Liverpool had been a failure. The game was delayed for 30 minutes as officers in riot gear prevented Liverpool supporters from entering the ground and tear-gassed the fans, including women and children. Initially, the French authorities blamed Liverpool fans for the chaos. And facts of the day. 2.3 million the number of times Americans got plastic surgery for aesthetic reasons in 2020.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Investigating the Capitol Insurrection Congressional hearings are often dramatic. Those that begin in the House of Representatives on Thursday will be extraordinary. The hearings will focus on the events of January 6th, 2021, when a mob, seemingly encouraged by then-President Donald Trump, stormed the Capitol building in an effort to overturn the certification of Joe Biden's election victory. The January 6th committee, composed of seven Democrats and two Republicans, has spent the past year interviewing over 1,000 people and reviewing over 140,000 documents. In six televised sessions, it will present a portion of what it has collected, ahead of the publication of a full report in September. The hearings will reveal the extent of Mr. Trump's culpability. Commentators on the right are therefore likely to belittle the committee's work as a witch hunt, but for Democrats, the hearings may be their last hope of rallying complacent voters against Mr. Trump and his Republican enablers before midterm elections in November. The ECB's Dilemma Spare a thought for the policymakers of the European Central Bank, gathering in Amsterdam on Thursday to chart the course of Eurozone monetary policy. The ECB faces an unenviable dilemma. Tighten monetary policy to fight inflation, or keep it loose to support a weakening economy. Not all of Europe's economy is in shambles, Its service sectors, especially in the sunny southern parts, are basking in the reopening of hotels and restaurants. The labor economy remains strong, too. But manufacturing is feeling a triple brunt of supply disruptions, high energy prices, and tighter consumer budgets. Data released on Tuesday showed that Germany's factory orders shrank in April. On Wednesday, the OECD, a rich country think tank, Downgraded its forecast for Europe. Yet, at around 8%, inflation is at a record high, and the pressure on the ECB, where the deposit rate is still negative, is mounting. In Amsterdam, the bank is likely to announce the end of bond buying and to signal a few careful rate increases in the coming months. China counts the cost of zero COVID. On June 6th, authorities in Beijing allowed the city's abundant restaurants to reopen, as new COVID-19 infections slowed to a trickle. Patrons will have much to digest. A string of economic data releases over the next seven days, starting with trade on Thursday, will reveal the depth of the difficulties from which China's economy must now escape. Retail sales, industrial production, and housing starts probably all shrank year-on-year in May, which in many cities was a second month of lockdowns and restrictions. Those hoping for a strong recovery in the rest of the year may be disappointed. Normality has yet to return in full. In Beijing, schools will not reopen until June 13th. And even once it has— the threat of a further viral outbreak will still loom. A recent survey by Morgan Stanley, a bank, found that more people expected to cut their spending over the next month than to increase it. In only two categories was the opposite true, groceries and education. For China's leaders, that ought to be food for thought. Somalia's Returning President The first time Hassan Sheikh Mohamud was president of Somalia, his authority stretched little farther than the sandbagged gates of the bullet-pocked presidential palace in Mogadishu. Al-Shabaab, a jihadist group, ran amuck, and terrorist attacks were routine. Decades of civil war had left the country resembling a gaggle of warring fiefdoms, Mr. Mohamud's first term ended in 2017, when he lost to Mohamed Abdullahi Mohamed. But after winning an election in May, he will begin a second on Thursday. It is the first time since Somalia gained independence in 1960 that anyone has been president twice. But Mr. Mohamud inherits a country that has slid dangerously backwards. The outgoing president centralized power— picked fights with Somalia's neighbors and, by refusing to leave office, raised the prospect of renewed civil war. Most worrying, though, is the resurgence of the jihadists, who have regained territory. Mr. Mohamud's first task, he tells The Economist, is to beat them back. Sectarianism enters the culture wars. Before its release in Britain, Muslim scholars warned that Lady of Heaven, a historical drama about Fatma, the daughter of Muhammad, would be divisive. They were not wrong. British Sunnis have slammed the film, which was written by a Shia cleric, for comparing three of the Prophet's companions to Islamic State terrorists. But many Shias have also criticized it for being deliberately seeking to sow discord among Muslims. Following protests this week, Cineworld, a British cinema chain, cancelled all screenings of the film. That sparked a culture war. Sajid Javid, a government minister, said he was concerned about Britain's growing cancel culture, but The Row will probably encourage more people to go and watch the film in those cinemas that will continue to screen it. If so, they may be disappointed. Critics have dismissed Lady of Heaven as half-baked and shoddy. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quiz Espresso at Economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday Which actress won two Oscars in the 1970s for Clute and Coming Home? Wednesday Who was the first African-American woman elected to Congress? Finally, here's the quote of the day, from Marguerite Yorsener. There is more than one kind of wisdom, and all are essential in the world. It is not bad that they should alternate. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app.